0: Just to recap, last week or the two weeks ago when we met, I talked to you about the four T's of um, effective missions or ministry. We talked about having a clear target and we want our lives to line up with what God's vision is and we want our church to line up with what God's vision is. In Revelation 7, 9, so there's going to be a, a multitude of people worshiping Jesus before the... It's not reality yet. So we want to align ourselves with God's end game and pursue that. We want our lives to count. You want your life to count. Live it for the vision of God. Live it for all peoples to know Him. And how do we do that? By making disciples and make disciples. And as that multiplication happens, God calls out missionaries and ministers and disciple makers and, and people all across this, this, this tri-state area that... Every day, we have people from this area that work in Memphis and Tennessee and West Memphis and Marion, south of here, north of here, east, west. We have people, an army of people that go out every day that can be on mission with God. So we want to have that clear target, that clear vision. Our church's vision statement is expanding God's kingdom across the street and around the world. I believe that lines up with this, this target. We got to have tools, tools to train people so that we can be effective. We need to know what the next step is. You know, we want to just remove every obstacle possible. And if we don't feel competent, we don't feel confident, then we very rarely are going to do anything and we just need some handles, you know, something to, to use. So we, have, we talked about some tools. We talked about tools that are simple, that are affordable, that are biblical and reproducible. Something that anybody can use, whether they can read or write or not. Something that we can pass off and give away. And so we, we have tools. We talked about tools for sharing the gospel. Sharing the, we, we talked about our 22nd testimony. We talked about sharing the Romans road. We talked about tools for how to just enter. Who to talk to. Making a list of people we know and praying for them every day. Going out two by two and just finding strangers and, and just seeing, testing the water, seeing what God's doing. His Word never returns void. We talked about tools for discipleship. Remember last week, we talked about the three-thirds method. We talked about the sword method for Bible study. We talked about the say, teach, do. And we and I say last week, two weeks ago, we talked about how to do those things. And so, we talked about that and then we talked about this training, a way just to deliver, to, to package all this together. four fields you enter into the, the farmer enters into an empty field and he sows the seed. and as he sows the seed, it begins to grow, and as it grows, he cares for it, and then he gets his goal is to get to that harvest time. He, he, he reaps the harvest. But he doesn't keep it all. He doesn't need it all. He doesn't sell it all. He keeps some back. He holds it back for the next season, so the process can continue. Well, the empty field is a, a picture of where the gospel's not. Can be places. Can be communities. It can be people where the gospel is not. We enter into that empty field. The seeded field represents what sharing what the gospel. Right. We sow the gospel, and we. Tools for sharing the gospel. My story and God's story. Come to our next evangelism training. We'll tell you all about it. And then the next field is the growing field. What's that a picture of? What do you think? Discipleship. You know, plants grow. It's a picture of growth. As we as believers, are we supposed to stay babies? We're supposed to grow and mature and become parents ourselves and reproduce ourselves and make disciples ourselves. So the growing field is a picture of discipleship, and then the harvest field is a picture of gathering people together. There, there should not be any such thing as a lone ranger Christian. We are created for community and accountability, and we want to as we lead people to Christ. We want to gather them together, start new groups and disciple people or bring them into existing groups and then start new groups. But we want people to be growing in community, right? So that's a very, very fast overview. And then we talked about tracking. We got to know, are we on track? Are we getting to where we want to be? What's our goal? Making disciples and make disciples. What's it going to take? It's going to take every member of evangelism. It's going to take discipling new believers. It's going to take making sure we train everybody to know what the next step is. So, you go tonight, you go to the harvest. You go to the empty field. You knock on the door. Hey, my name's Trey. It's my buddy Dale. We're followers of Jesus. We love our community. We just wanted to know, is there any way we can care for you through prayer? And they're like, What? <laughs> We're just curious if there's any way we can pray for you. Anything at all. If you could ask for anything, what would it be? They talk to you about, you know, a loved one that's sick, or financial problems, or whatever's going on. And you have a chance to talk to them and pray for them. Can I pray for you? Next step. So the first step is knock on the door. Next step, can I pray for you? If they say yes, say, can we pray together now? If they say no, well, the next step is to walk away. (laughs) Pray for them while you walk away. If they say yes, the next step is to pray for them right there. Well, then what's your next step? You finish up and say, hey, thanks for letting us pray for you. You got a couple minutes for me to tell you about something that changed my life. If they say no, then the next step is have a great day. See you later. If they say yes, you can share your 20-second testimony. And then you can just go right into a smooth, simple gospel presentation. It's just telling them about how Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for the death that we deserve to pay. He rose again. He's alive today. And all who turn to Him and call on His name will be saved. What's the next step? What about you? If they let you tell that much, hey, has there been a time in your life where you understood this and and you turned to Christ? If they say yes, what's your next step? Great, have a good day. No, I like to say... Well, That's amazing. Would you, would you mind telling me a little bit about it? And to give them a chance to tell me about it, I'm not going to doubt that they're a Christian, but I don't really want to take it for granted. They tell you, man, about coming to Christ and him changing their life. What's your next step? Next step. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you, do you know how to make disciples? If they say yes, what's your next step? Well, tell me about it. How's it going? If they say no and be like, well, hey, you can come with us now. If you want to, we'd love to show you. Or you can say, hey, let me show you what we do. And you can train them right there at their door. Now, what if they say no? Anytime they say no, your next step is, see you later. Thank you for your time. It's that simple. But we always want to know what our next step is. What if we get to the end of our presentation, presentation, if you will, forgive me. And they say, man, I just got off the floor. My life is a wreck. I was contemplating ending it all. And I just told God, if you're real, show me. And you knocked on my door. What do I do? Right? Like the book of Acts. What must I do to be saved? They're out there, y'all. They are out there. We'll never find them if we don't try. But they're out there. What's your next step? There's a tool we have called the Great Commission Landing. It's so good. You just read through the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, first he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. And the, t- the great commission com- landing tool is, hey, do you believe Jesus has all authority? Will you give him all authority over your life? Will you, will you not give it? Can't give him authority. He has it. Will you recognize his authority over your life? Surrender. If they say yes, next step. Well, will you surrender to him and follow him? Yes. Will you be baptized? Yes. Will you allow someone allow us to teach you to what all he's commanded so you can follow him? Yes. And you walk through that great commission landing and just allow them to, to see what it means to follow Jesus, to be saved, to repent, and put their trust in him. Now, what's your next step if that happens? Well that's when you celebrate. <laughs> and then you say, hey. We need to study the Bible together. Could we meet sometime? Or would you come to my connect group? Or would you come and, and, and worship with me on Sunday? Or come to Wednesday night Bible study? Or we'll come out and go knock on doors together? They need you to put your their, your arm around them and help them grow in Christ. But we always... I think as long... and, and I don't want to... I'm not trying to like make this oversimplified and I'm definitely not trying to remove the Holy Spirit from the equation. But when we have that next step mentality, we know what we're going to do. There's no, like we talked about this. Remember the seven commands of Christ? Repent and believe. Last time we met, we talked about Zacchaeus and how his life was turned upside down when he put his trust in Christ and how his life was changed. Well, you can teach him about Zacchaeus. Tonight, we're going to talk about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and how immediately upon belief, the Ethiopian eunuch received baptism that's what we're going to talk about tonight so we know what those next steps are we know how to teach them the sword method we know how to to study with them and and we know what passages to show them what a new believer needs to know and as long as we have those next steps we got some handles on how to fulfill this big picture great commission does that make sense all right so let's just practice together do you remember um be funny if i don't have any markers no markers Well, shucks. Um, I don't know where to find one. Um, So you got your sword, remember? Man holds the sword. It points up. It reminds us to ask, in this passage, what do we learn about God? Man's holding the sword. What do we learn about man? On one side, is there a sin to avoid or turn from? On the other side, Is there an example to follow or a command to obey? That is not all of the questions that there are to answer for good inductive Bible study questions. Start studying, right? However, it's a great place to start. And it's a good, simple tool that is free, affordable. And it's biblical to to study the Word and, and, and look to obey it. Remember, not just to be hearers, but doers of the Word, right? So, we talked about Last week we we did the say teach do. You you ask these questions to see what it says, and you fill out that chart. You got a chart on your on your chair, and you see what does it say about God? What does it say about man? Sin, com- command, example. Well, then you say, okay, what's the main point? Hey, th- thank you. What's the main point? And then you can even put points. This helps you know what to teach, and then. We don't want to come to the word merely for knowledge. We want, I mean, knowledge is great. We want knowledge. But we want to obey what we learn. We don't want to merely be hearers, but doers of the word. So you want to make, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to apply what we learn? You can do this by yourself. You can do this with a friend. You can do it with 10 people, 20 people, 50 people. Study the word. All right, so now we're going to be in Acts. Here's your context. You remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Jesus told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, I heard one preacher say, Acts 8 1 happened because Acts 1 8 didn't. You know what they did? You know what we tend to do? We get in holy huddles. We stay together because we feel feel safe together. And the church wasn't going out like it was supposed to. Well, guess what happens? A great persecution breaks out. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Saul was breathing murderous threats. And the disciples were all scattered from Jerusalem. And what did they do as they were scattered? They preached the gospel. What did God tell them to do in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? To go be his witnesses in all places. Now they're scattered. And God used persecution to do it. Interesting. Fast forward to the end of Acts. Or sorry. The end of the chapter. End of chapter Mm 8. Maybe the middle. Verse 26. I'm going to read Acts chapter 8. Verse 26. Now Philip. Sorry. A little more context. Philip had been in Samaria. Samaria. And he was going around and preaching the gospel and doing mighty acts. And and miracles were happening. And all kind of people were coming to Christ. A lot of people were coming to Christ. Now, they were were about to go back to Jerusalem. And they were preaching the gospel along the way. And that's when Acts chapter 8 verse 26 picks up. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasures. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So, Philip ran to him. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. That's Isaiah 53. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Do you see God just teeing this up? I mean, he is teeing it up. This is one of my favorite lines in this story. Look at this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture... He told him the good news about Jesus. Come on. Verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, the, through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a story. What a story. Father, we ask for help, for guidance, for clarity. We ask that you would open our minds Help us together to to rightly divide your word and to apply it to our lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in this passage, first of all, what's going on? Let's rebuild it real fast. Let's take a few minutes. What's happening? How does it begin? What's the angel of the Lord tell Philip? Yeah, but but what does he tell him? For what does he specifically say? Yeah, go towards the south to what road? What kind of what's the, what's the description of this road? He didn't say go to like the metropolis or go to the hustle and bustling and highways and byways. Hey, hey, Philip, go to the middle of nowhere. What does Philip do? He goes. Right, he goes. How interesting is that? God says do it. Philip goes and does it. And what does he find? What does he find? Okay. And what is it? now look, picture this, okay? Got a desert road going from Jerusalem to Gaza in the desert. I mean, desert it's called desert for a reason. It's like deserted. And he finds a eunuch. Now, not just any eunuch. He's basically the, the treasury of state for Ethiopia, for the queen. He's a high-ranking official. You think this guy was out there all by himself? I don't think he was out there by himself. I think he had an entourage. What, is, what does the Lord tell Philip, what does the Holy Spirit tell Philip to do? Join him. Well, what does Philip do? Does he say, I might be dangerous, Lord. He runs! <laughs> That might be even more creepy, right? He doesn't just like walk up nonchalantly and try to join. He's like running towards them. I mean, I'm thinking people are getting their bow and arrows ready. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Sanctified imagination. I don't know. Now, what does he hear when he gets up close to the chariot? The eunuch is reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, Do you think that they could just go to to Amazon and buy a scroll in those days? Probably was pretty rare. Probably pretty hard for a Gentile to get his hands on. This guy came from Ethiopia to Jerusalem seeking God. And he's leaving, having not found Him. Still searching on his way home, reading through... The Gospel of Isaiah. God sends Philip to his chariot. The entourage allows Philip to join the chariot. Philip hears him reading the Word of God. Philip knows the Word of God enough to begin. You see that, don't you, from a lot of these faithful brothers? They know the Word. It's not an excuse for us not to try to do ministry if we don't know it good enough. It's a it's an encouragement for us to get to know it, right? am getting ahead of myself. So then Philip says, What? Do you know what you're reading? What does a eunuch say? How can I? Unless what? So what does he do? I bet you money, Philip didn't wake up that morning thinking, I'm gonna be riding in a chariot today. <laughs> He says, come on up and explain it to me. And he asks him, what what question I love? What what does the eunuch ask Philip? Who, who Who is this being talked about? Is it the prophet or somebody else? And what does Philip do? He opens his mouth and he does what? What does he do? He says, from that passage, he preached Jesus. He preached the good news of Jesus Christ. And what happens next? What's the eunuch say? I want to get baptized. Well, they do. Philip say, well, let's go back to First Baptist Church, Jerusalem. What does he do? Stop the chariot. They go down and get in the water. And they have a good old-fashioned baptism right there in the middle of nowhere. And then Philip gets back in the chariot. What happens? (laughs) I don't know what that was like. (laughs) I bet you Philip didn't wake up thinking that was going to happen either. (laughs) He probably getting in that chariot thinking, man, it's nice not having to walk anymore. Then he got whisked away to a town that was 20 miles away. (laughs) And and I, I really think that it was like, you know, God just transported him over there. You know, God's supernatural, right? He's above nature. He can he can defy natural law. It's pretty amazing. It's called a miracle. I think that was a miracle. And the eunuch left doing what? Rejoicing. All right. Now Philip found himself down in was Caesarea. Is that what it said? Centuria? No. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that word. And what did and what did Philip do? He just kept on preaching the gospel. Hey, he was fired up. All right. That's a cool story, y'all. That's a pretty cool story. Now, in this passage, be, be prepared to give me a verse number. What do we learn about God? What do you learn about God in this passage? Do what? He did what? He did. He guided him. He, he 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 led Philip. Let's say he led him. He did speak to him. I'll say speak. All right. What else? Oh yeah. Give me a verse number. All right. All right. What else? Do what? Uh huh. Thank you. All right. Why did he speak to him? What did he tell him? What did he want him to do? He guided him right. He led him to where he wanted to be. Now, maybe we could just say, "Do you think it's okay to say God used Philip?" All right. I'm gonna just. Basically put the whole passage. Um, yeah. I'm going to believe that with lead. And I'm just going to put 29 by up here by 26. So we'll save room. He led him specifically. He did. He guided him. He did. All right. How, where do you see that at? Okay, he's at work. What's he at work doing? What do you mean by work? What kind of work is he doing? Bringing people to himself, right? I love it. So, let's just say he saves. How about that? And... I'm going to put that. What verse is the, the, with the eunuch rejoicing or be, get, talking about getting baptized? 38. And the rejoicing? 39. All right, 38 and 39. Um, I'm going to say he, or maybe his salvation brings joy. I love how he just wished him away, Philip away. He just... Philip had a... Now, some people think it's boring to be a Christian. I want to submit to you, Philip didn't have a boring life. <laughs> what do you think? Okay. Um, so, I don't know how to word this. I love how how God was... Guiding Philip, but also the eunuch, at the same time to intersect as a well. Sometimes we call it like a divine appointment. And so, on on one level, you have the eunuch who is seeking God. He comes all the way to Jerusalem to find the one true God. He 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 buys a a scroll of the of the book of Isaiah so he can read about the one true God. And it, it, it's almost like if it were like a drama, you know how they leave you on these cliffhangers, right? and they would have been a commercial. You know, here he is leaving Jerusalem. You're like, oh no. He never really found God. Did they even let him in the temple? Because he's a eunuch. Probably couldn't even go in the temple. Oh no. Man, the gospel was going everywhere. What, what, how did he miss out? And then the commercial goes off, and here's the angel of the Lord telling Philip, go to the desert. Philip's like, desert? Okay, I'll go to the desert. There's a lot of people here receiving Jesus, I'm gonna go to the desert. And Philip's like, hey look, a chariot, how about that? God says, go up to the chariot. Okay, (laughs) he goes up to the chariot. And you got this guy, and Philip's probably thinking, if he's like me, he's like, okay, Lord, now how am I going to get into a spiritual conversation? How am I going to transition this? You know, you try to think through it before you get there, and you walk up, oh, great, he's reading Isaiah. I know that passage. Hey, man, you know what you're reading? I mean, he's just, God is orchestrating this, he's superintending this whole thing. He's sovereign, and he's working. He's drawing people to himself. He's sending people there to go and preach the gospel. And I got so many stories flooding through my mind right now that I want to tell you about. I I remember times where I was at a red light and it was like the Lord was prodding me to go share the gospel with somebody and I didn't do it. I disobeyed. I missed out. God doesn't need me, right? I mean, maybe the guy behind me got got the, the honor. I was at the jail one time, and I was leaving, and there was a guy, I I wasn't leaving, I was going in for church that night, and there was a guy that was getting out, and we were waiting to go in, he was waiting on his ride, I'm thinking, well, he won't be at church, let's share the gospel with him, and the guy was just so ready, I've told you before, like, hey man, do you think if you were to die tonight, if you go to heaven or hell, he said, probably hell, I was like, really, I don't hear that much, what makes you say that, I'm a sinner, (laughs) definitely don't hear that much, well, man, do you know that, that God will forgive you, yeah, do you know what he's done so you can be saved? Yeah, he sent Jesus. Like, wait, what's going on here? And so basically, I asked this guy, like, well, do you know what Jesus did? He died on the cross. Well, do you know how to be saved? Yeah, to turn to him and, and, and just confess my sin. I'm like, well, do you want to do that? He's like, yeah, I want to do it right now. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, what's going on? You know, God's just working. We, were, I told you about, I think I told you recently about... um in, in Zambia that time, and there was a a lady that was named Melanie that was translating for us. We had a guy named Noah who was translating into, into Bimba to a lady named Melanie who was translating it into the local language. And we run into these these guys walking down the road and this these two old men and they're, they happen to be talking about what happens when you die. And we share the gospel through Noah into Bimba. From Noah to this lady, in, from Bimba to their local language, and these guys are like, yeah, I believe that right now. And when you're just like, what? I'm telling you, it's not supposed to be boring to be a Christian. It's good stuff. God's superintending all these things. Now, um, what about man? We got to rock and roll. What did we learn about Man. Okay. How do you see that specifically in here? Okay. So lost, A.K.A. needs, needs salvation, needs God. Salvation. What would you? What, what would you? What verse would you try to use for that? All right. How can I understand unless someone tells me? That's a good one. Where's that? At? Where's that at? It's verse thirty. All right, thirty. Oh no, it's not. All right. Thirty-one. Okay. Don't be so hard on yourself. Okay. <laughs> All right. What else? Yeah. So we should be obedient to God. We. How about we say we can be used by God. We can be used by God when we are obedient. Isn't it interesting how we have that that, that option? You know, we're going to go or we're not. We're going to speak or we're not. We're going to talk about the Lord or we're going to not. I mean... Man, how anticlimactic would this story be if Philip walks up and hears the guy reading Isaiah and he's like, eh, eh, I'm going to leave? <laughs> like, that'd be like, what are you doing, Philip? And I mean, how often do you think that happens with us? You know, what are you doing, Trey? Um, so, man needs God. We need Jesus. We need salvation. We need a savior. We need the suffering servant that Isaiah 53 was talking about. We need a Savior. I put salvation. Savior. We need God. Um, How about we can be saved? Do we have hope? I love that. Um, And I don't know how it all comes together. I know... There's passages of Scripture say, God says, you'll you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And there's passages that say, no one comes to the fa- to the Son unless the Father draws them. And you see both of this happening right now. I love it. I love it. Um, you see any sin in this story? You don't have to find an example for everything and every answer to every question in every story. Yeah. But it's not like, do b- you don't see necessarily, I don't see a really good example of sin. Okay, what about an example to follow? Obey. Obey okay, and that actually is two separate things here. So let's just say obey God. Obey God. They're both immediate. Like he immediately goes and then he immediately wants to be back. So... How about, okay, so let's just say immediate obedience, right? Um, Messing myself up, right? And then cursive. (laughs) That's not cursive, that's capital. All right, so look, immediate obedience, right? On Philip's behalf and the eunuch's behalf. Okay, that's a great point, by the way. Um, At one point, Philip's running. You—you do not get more more obedient, intentional obedience than actually running. I mean, that's amazing. Um. Also, Philip shared the gospel. Philip—he was an evangelist. Be a good name for a kid. Sh- share the gospel. I've totally lost track of verses. By the way, um, now. Yeah, and and let's let's comment on that. He knew the word. Right, I mean, he knew the word. You see that in Stephen's speech when he got stoned. You see that in Philip when he's preaching to the masses. <laughs> I don't think they know that we're that we're in here and they can we can hear them. Um, so. Let's just say Philip's, Philip knew the Word. Anybody uh, want to let them know that? Philip knew the Word, and Philip was able to share the Gospel from that exact point. Yes, sir. Also, Philip immediately obeyed. Yeah. He took off. He took off. Yeah. 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 Amen. And okay, so then you got let's let's back up just right before that. Hannah was talking about that immediate obedience and baptism too. That was immediate. That wasn't like, hey, let me let me chew on it for a minute. Let me, you know, it was like, hey, there's water. What prevents me. And the answer is nothing because he's don't, you know. So that's that immediate, let's just say baptism. We'll just say that's a good example. Um, now this doesn't really get a lot into the theology of baptism and everything, but I'm assuming that it was exp- it was spl- explained. You know, we don't always get the full picture. We just, we get what we need for the gist of the story. There's a lot happening. There's a lot more that could have been explained and described. But we see that Philip explained the gospel enough in obedience to Christ enough to, to the guy knew, I need, I, need I, I trust Christ and I need to be baptized. There's enough of that explained there where he's like, hey, I, I need to get baptized. So that's immediate baptism. I love that. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about next steps and how people respond to what you're talking about, that's how you determine your next steps. He says, beginning with this scripture. Mm-hmm that's right that's right just straight straight into the gospel presentation it really is just i mean it's so clear how god was just superintending this i love it i love it which should give us such comfort as we go that god's at work even if it's not what we see even if the person doesn't but end up being like like an Ethiopian eunuch, you know, but God's still at work. He's still prodding. Who knows what kind of conversations the Ethiopian eunuch had had with people that got him to the point that he was willing to leave Ethiopia and go all the way to Jerusalem to seek God? I'm sure, somebody, he had to have some interaction with somebody that got him to Jerusalem. Maybe it was an angel. I don't know, but I'm saying God was working. To get him to that point. Um, any more examples? Seek the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. He was absolutely seeking the Lord and God met him. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um now how would we summarize a good main point for this passage? Let's keep let's keep God the hero. He's the hero. Um God was glorified through the rejoicing. Um, so what if we're going to do like a main point and say, you know, God is seeking and saving the lost. Subpoint: God sent Philip to the eunuch. God sends us to people. And God was drawing the eunuch. The, re, the eunuch received Christ and was immediately filled with joy. He was obedient. You see how that works? Like God's, God's the, the, the big picture here. He's the one. He's the super. <laughs> he's 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 subbing it out to Philip, but he's drawing people to himself, and he's sending people to preach the gospel. Philip is obedient. There was rejoicing, I think, for Philip in his obedience as well. Um, so, what about application? Yeah. So just day by day, step by step, just trust Him. Walk with Him. Know that He knows the big picture. We don't know it, right? We don't know the big picture. Even when we think we have it figured out. How many of you right now would say you're you're exactly where you thought you'd be 10 years ago? (laughs) I sure am not. (laughs) People ask me now, what's my next step? I'm like, oh no, I'm here right now. Serve Jesus wherever I'm at. I want to be like Philip. I want to be like Philip, right? <laughs> wherever you go, just be faithful. Wherever you find yourself, be faithful and know that God has you there. What else? What are some action steps here? one more day without sharing it only like he's
1: gone yeah. so I feel like that's encouraging or like a, an example to follow would just be obviously sharing the gospel
0: but rejoice you see all of the good that comes from it when Philip just said yes two times yeah you know yes I'll go and yes I'll join the unit yeah yeah what are you holding back from God What what what's behind your back and you're like God you can have anything but this You know, where is your yes not on the table? Who are you unwilling to talk to? Where are you unwilling to go? What are you unwilling to do? We think that we are protecting ourselves by holding things back. But we're missing out on that blessing of obedience. There's going to be... Now look, I'm not saying it's always easy, right? I mean... Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Warren Wiersbe has those B, B series, you know, these little commentaries. And his title for Philippians is Be Joyful. Paul wrote Philippians from prison. And he told them to rejoice always. And he said, there's people out there that preach the gospel just to bring me harm. So what? I rejoice. The gospel's being preached. Be joyful. There's joy in obedience. And the things that we're holding back That's not going to keep us joyful. Might not keep us safe. Maybe we do obey God and maybe we die because of it. So what? To be in the absence of the the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. We we win exponentially if we die. To live as Christ. To die is gain. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. He's so much better than that. Don't hold back. Where would you go? Where would you not go? What would you do? What would you not do? Be desperate. So, Brian talked about just trusting the Lord daily. You know? Knowing that He knows the next steps. Yeah, I'm going to be transparent. I've wrestled for years after coming back from from overseas thinking that i was going to spend a lifetime serving on the mission field and came back abruptly and just always had those little doubts probably little attacks those little flaming darts you know you sold out you chickened out you put your family first you gave in you didn't you didn't it's almost like survivor's guilt almost Came back to a church that welcomed us and loved us and, and provided so well for us. You know, I'm living in a house and I never thought I'd live in. Sometimes I start like, man, did you start feeling like, did I sell out? And one day I'm riding down the road, and this is as simple as it is. This is years later, two or three years later. I remember thinking, now I believe God's sovereign. Do you believe God's sovereign? That He's in control? <laughs> okay? I believe that. I'm in Hernando, Mississippi. I'm where God wants me. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. I'm trying to follow him. I want to obey him. I want to be faithful wherever I am. So just in rest in him, rest in him. And let him use you. And I promise you you won't regret it. Now, we may regret getting to the end of our life having not let Him use us. But we don't want that to happen. So let's just be faithful. Any any specific examples? Like preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Do you know anybody that needs to hear the gospel? Maybe while we're studying this passage, God puts somebody on your heart that needs to hear the gospel. Somebody you know, and you're thinking, I don't know, Lord, that scares me. Maybe I'm the only one that gets nervous. (laughs) I'll tell you one more story. This was years ago. I was leaving church. It was a Wednesday night. I was a youth pastor then, so I'd have been leading a Bible study. Got home and I saw a guy across the road that I grew up with. Hadn't seen him in years. And I was like, I need to go share the gospel with that guy. Hadn't seen him and don't know if next time i see him. So Megan graciously took the kids in and got them ready for bed. And I walked across the street and I'm talking to this guy. Found out that his aunt lived over there. And I'm over here thinking, okay, Lord, enough small talk. How can I transition this to a gospel conversation? And by the way, this was a guy that I was really intimidated by in high school. He was really tough and, and I was not. And so he was a guy that I was intimidated by. And I'm praying, God, how can I transition this? Show me, give me a word And you know what happened? The guy said, so Trey, tell me about you, man. I heard you change your life big time. What happened? (laughs) I'm like, boo! Thank you, Lord. He He tees it up. He's constantly teeing it up. Maybe you lay in bed at night and you think, man, I missed that chance. I missed that chance. Just say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to be more aware. And when I'm aware, help me to be obedient. And when I'm obedient, Lord, help me to trust you with the results. Remind me of the next steps. Help me to be in your word. Help me to know how to follow you and obey you. He will use you. He uses us. He intends for us to be his witnesses. He intends to use us to bring people to himself. He intends to use us to help people come into the kingdom. And to help them to grow. So let's just be obedient. One more thing. It's a great story to use to tell people about baptism. I was meeting with my buddy Slim. He hadn't been a Christian long. And we had already studied repent and believe, using the sword method, doing just what we did tonight. We, did, we studied this story. And Slim was nailing it, man, to see the Holy Spirit help him understand the Word as a new believer. I said, I didn't tell Slim, Slim, you need to get baptized. I said, Slim, what does the Word say? about, about what, do you need, what are some examples to follow? He said, well, I need to get baptized. I, I didn't tell him. God told him. God used His Word to show him his need to follow in a baptism. God's word is the resource. And if we're not careful, we will spend all of our time reading other books about God's word and never read the Bible. I mean, the book of Acts is like a a game plan. I mean, it's wide open. Let's just go do it. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. For your spirit, for your guidance, for your call, for the privilege it is to be your ambassadors. Lord, thank you for the joy that is in your salvation. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. And when we seek you, we find you. When we call on you, we'll we'll be saved. Lord, thank you for all the the people that you've placed in our path that, that need to know you. Would you help us to be faithful? Faithful to follow You. Faithful to trust You. Faithful to pursue You. Faithful to obey You. Faithful to preach the Gospel. Faithful to know Your Word so that we can use it to to proclaim Your truth. God, would You use us? Continually sharpen us. Mold us. Guide us. Send us. Lord, help us to be surrendered. Sold out. And would You use us how You see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.